Welcome to The Roots of Evil. My name is Angela, and on this podcast, we will be discussing true crime that has occurred in the last few decades. True crime has been one of my passions for many years. These topics interest me very deeply. Now, I will share with you my knowledge so that you can make up your own theories. My name is Lana, and I think that diving deeper into cold cases is interesting because we all get to hear each other's theories, and it's interesting hearing what everyone has to say. Today, we will be discussing Ted Bundy and the horrific murders that he has committed. And Ted Bundy was a serial killer who went on a killing spree from 1974 to 1978. He confessed to murdering over 30 women a few days before his execution. This is how it all started. It began in 1974 when young women began disappearing in the Seattle area. It wasn't until Lake Sammamish when the police received their first suspect. In June of 1974, when Janice Saw and Denise Laslin went missing, it was later reported on the news that both women had been seen leaving the lake with a man. A 15-year-old girl then went to the police and said that earlier that day, she had been asked by an injured man to help load his sailboat onto his car. However, she declined. The man then asked another girl right next to her named Jan, and she said yes. After giving her statement, the young girl then sat down with the sketch artist and came out with a drawing almost identical to Ted Bundy. It was later revealed that Elizabeth Kendall, Bundy's at-the-time girlfriend, saw that drawing and gave his name to the police. She wanted to make sure that it was not actually him. This name ended up being a major help to this case. In July of 1974, eight young women had gone missing. There were no remains and no evidence. All the police knew at the time was that this killer was a man named Ted who drove a Volkswagen Beagle. The first remains were found just a few miles from Lake Sammamish. There were several bodies that had been raped and badly beaten. There were many bones, but not full skeletons, just parts. They were pieces of a skull that had factor marks, which meant they had been struck in the head. By September of 1974, the murders in Washington state had stopped. However, women had begun going missing in Salt Lake City, Utah. This was very close to where Ted Bundy attended law school. By 1975, terror and panic gripped the nation. Ted Bundy had become a major suspect. However, detectives still had no evidence tying him to the crimes. But once women began going missing in Utah, authorities began to wonder if it could be the work of the same man. There were several missing women who had gone missing after leaving school or on their way walking home. By the end of the year, four Utah women had gone missing and feared dead. Just like in the state of Washington, detectives were hankering for clues who could or who could be responsible for all of these missing women. But then the police caught a break when a woman named Carol DeRanch went to the police with the story of escaping the horror of being kidnapped by a good-looking man who drove a Volkswagen. The story was very big in solving the case. Carol DeRanch was at the mall when she was approached by a man who claimed to be a police officer. He said that he believed someone had broken into her camera. He had told them, he had told her to go driving in her case. Carol DeRanch was at the mall when she was approached by a man who claimed to be a police officer. He said that he believed someone had broken into her Camaro. He told her to go with him. She agreed, however, something didn't feel right. As they were driving, the man pulled the car over and attacked Carol. He tried to slap handcuffs on her, but he made, made a mistake. She quickly got out of the car, and then the man started chasing her, but another car started coming towards them, and he drove off. The police now had their MO. They knew that this man would lure women into his car and that they would never be seen again. 
This began to match with what the police in Washington were hearing. The problem was that they still had no person of interest, until October of 1975, when a highway patrolman pulled Bundy over after he saw him miss several stop signs. The patrolman was very suspicious of him. He found a ski mask, some rope, an ice pick, and a pair of handcuffs all inside of Ted's car. Ted was arrested and it all began to come together. He was put into a lineup and picked by Carol DeRanche as her kidnapper. He was then charged with aggravated kidnapping. His friends and family were in total denial. The problem was that even though Bundy was a suspect in multiple murders, he was legally just facing one count of aggravated kidnapping at this point. He even posted bail and returned to Washington State before his trial in Utah. His visit put authorities and his girlfriend, best friend, on edge. Everybody was watching him. In the new year, Ted had returned to Utah to face the trial for the aggravated kidnapping of Carol DeRange. Ted was a former law student who had lots of confidence. He decided that he was going to defend himself. Carol DeRange was the only witness, eyewitness in this case, but there were many inconsistencies in her stories. She was not the best witness, but she was very sure that he was the man. Then, on March 1st, 1976, Bundy was found guilty of kidnapping. Before his trial, Ted was sent to a place where a psychiatrist would evaluate him for 90 days. And by the end, he was able to label Bundy as a very violent man who was most likely had committed these murders. It is believed that a woman he was in love with many years before who had rejected him was what triggered Ted to begin killing people. As each day went on, more and more information was put out about Ted. Bundy was later sent to Colorado for another trial. He was once again acting his, as his own attorney, which played right onto his plan. He had much more freedom than other prisoners. He was given access to the library, which was on the second floor of the courthouse. He even petitioned to be unshackled and won. So on December 31st, 1977, Bundy, who had been waiting, who had been on the waiting trial, sat through a window on the second floor of the courthouse in Aspen, Colorado. After about a week of being free, Bundy was once again captured after coming back into Aspen and stealing a car. After this, the prison began to be much more careful with Ted, but he is still allowed much more freedom than other prisoners. And soon enough, Ted Bundy had escaped a second time through a light fixture in the ceiling of his cell. Prisoners have reported that they had heard Bundy crawling around and going back into his cell, but the officers did nothing. Ted Bundy was once again, was gone once again. He was one of the FBI's most wanted men. On January 15, 1978, a killer walked into a Kyle Omega sorority house at Florida State University. Two young women were strangled to death and two others were brutally beaten. He then struck again a few blocks away. There were three survivors and two dead. The Kyle Omega killings made national news. The investigators in Washington State knew that it had to be Bundy. Ted had been living on the Florida State campus acting like he was a student. Nobody was able to recognize him. Then on February 9th, a 12-year-old girl named Kimberly Leach had gone missing after school. The middle school girl was Ted Bundy's last victim. Then finally on February 9th, 19th, Bundy was once again captured by a police officer who had run the plates on the stolen car Ted was driving. He tried to fight the officer, but he overpowered him and arrested Ted. Bundy gave a fake identity as an athlete attending Florida State. Once they found out he had been lying, they tried getting his real name, however he refused. It wasn't until the fingerprint identification came back when Pensacola police learned that they had captured one of the most wanted and dangerous criminals in the country. Ted Bundy was now the prime suspect in the Kyle Mega murders and the murder of Kimberly Leach. 
It was just odd, because this was completely different from his M.O. He would normally kidnap women, kill them, and dump them. But in these murders, he went into the house, killed the women, and left them there. Ted was not admitting to being involved in anything, but the police knew that he was connected. There's a young woman who had seen Bundy leaving the house, but she was not a strong eyewitness. All she had seen was a sketchy person who looked like Bundy. But then came a very important piece of evidence, the bite marks. There had been bite marks on the woman who had been killed. They were very deep and had a perfect signature. An ex expert was called and it was found that these bite marks fit Bundy's teeth perfectly. This field was very new and unknown, so this evidence that they were gathering had to be rock solid. This meant that they were going to need photographs of Ted's teeth. They had to be careful and not let him know ahead of time that they were going to search his teeth, or else he could have easily damaged them beforehand. One slightly different detail would have gotten this whole thing thrown away. So the police got a search warrant for his mouth. This was a very surprising moment for Ted. He had no idea what was going to happen. Once he figured out what was happening, he began screaming for his lawyer, but there was nothing he could do. Ted's teeth did, in fact, match the bite marks on the murdered woman at the Chi Omega Sorority's house. At this point, police were still trying out what had happened to Kimberly Leach. They had been searching for miles and miles for her body, but hadn't found anything. That was until they found the van that had been stolen from the university. In that van, they found DNA from Kimberly and plant material that would help narrow the search area. They found plants that came along from a, a certain river. This narrowed their search area by over half. The body was soon found after that by a hog shed. She had been beaten and sexually molested. In order to prove that Ted was guilty of killing Leach, they had to connect him in the van. There was an ashtray in the van in which halfly torn cigarettes were found. Many cigarettes were also found by Kimberly's body. The van also had an unusual carpet in the back. There were pieces of this carpet found on Kimberly Leach's clothing, and there was fiber from Ted's clothing that was found at the dump site. There was also proof that linked Buddy Bundy to a knife that might have killed Kimberly Leach. This next clip is Ted Bundy pleading not guilty. It's an odd one. After the clip, we interviewed a few people to answer some of our questions about Ted Bundy. What do we have here, Ken? Let's see. Oh, it's an indictment, all right. Why don't you read it to me? You're on bond for election, aren't you? Mr. Bundy. You got it, didn't you? Mr. Bundy. You told me that you told him that you were going to get me. He said he was going to get me, okay? You've got the indictment. It's all you're going to get. Let's read it. Let's go. Theodore Robert Bundy. You are charged, indictment, two counts burglary, two counts murder in the first degree, three counts attempted murder in the first degree. Design or intent to affect the death of said Lisa Lee. My chance to talk to the press. Contrary to section 78204, Florida statute. I'll plead not guilty right now. And your grand jury is being present. Hi, Ashley. Thanks Hi. for joining us today. So I'm going to ask you a few questions on Ted Bundy. So. First of all, while Ted was in prison on death row, he had a wife named Carol Boone, and they also had a child together. She was like two years old. And I wanted to ask you, do you think that there's any possibility that Ted would have wanted to do horrible things to his wife and daughter, like the things that he did to his victims? Well, even though she wasn't by his standards, I do think that Ted may have felt the urge to do the same things to his wife and daughter. And I stand by this since there's studies that serial killers don't hold the same type of empathy that 
other people do it and since once you start something such as serial killing and like i mean such as killing and stuff you don't want to stop right since that's why serial killers go okay. again and again okay sounds good so and also ted bundy once said that he thinks the reason he started killing was because of pornography but do you think that's true or that he probably is just using that as an excuse um i think that he was just using this as an excuse because there's other serial killers who who watch that type of stuff and they've never used that card before right they've never right okay um what do you think caused like what do you think caused this urge to kill um his childhood because serial killers often become the way they are because of their traumatic childhood since their parents are right. always like neglecting him and stuff yeah. or neglecting them and yeah i don't know well personally i think that like most serial killers are just born with a gene like a gene that make them that way like they just have the urge to kill and then their like environment as a child definitely affects yeah. the way that they grow up and if that changes or not Okay, well, thank you, Ashley. Thank you. Hi, Erica. Thank you for joining us today. So, I'm going to ask you a few questions, okay? Sure. Okay. So, first of all, you know pretty well about the case of Ted Bundy. So, what do you think caused Ted Bundy's urge to kill? Um, well, as far as I know, based on just, like, previous research I've done, it seems like most killers um, are kind of born with some sort of, like, predisposition to kill and usually that only kind of happens if they're placed into a certain like environment where that like I guess urge will like come forth so I think probably with Ted Bundy there's a good chance that maybe he was born with something and there something else happened in his life that kind of uh, brought it out of him okay next uh, Ted Bundy had a wife and a child while he was on death row in prison. Do you think that he wanted to do awful things to them that he had done to his victims? Um, not necessarily. Um, a lot of killers kind of have a preference for who they have the urge to kill, if that makes sense. So it's possible that he didn't feel that for his wife and child and there's also a good chance that maybe he had like a stronger connection to those uh like to his wife and kid um yeah i i don't know it's kind of hard to say but again also he was locked up so who knows like what he would have done if he wasn't in prison it's kind of hard to say and also like a lot of killers only kill like a certain like type of women like a certain moment like with certain hair color certain eye color whatever maybe just because and you think that she wasn't in that type maybe but also as i kind of wanted to say like a lot of killers do that because they have a certain like disrespect for that type of woman because it reminds them of maybe someone from their past so maybe oh like the girl that uh rejected ten bundy when he was younger potentially yeah but that that, like kind of sexism plays into it a little bit Okay, and last of all, do you think that Ted had killed unknown victims years before the murders in Seattle started happening? Um, I think it's really possible. Um, Maybe even if it wasn't, like, 
straight up murder, there's a good chance that it was something that kind of build up, builds up to that. So maybe like crimes, like more like petty crimes, I guess, like potentially like, you know, stealing or crimes against animals, things like that, where that they wouldn't have as much like coverage or like interest in the area, probably. Okay. Is that all you have to say? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Thank you. I emailed a friend, Shailene, the same questions that we had asked some other people to get her insight about Ted Bundy. I started off with, what do you think caused Ted Bundy's urge to kill? She replied, I think Ted Bundy had an urge to kill because he had a satisfied factor each time he committed a homicide and possibly felt a type of power from his murderous ways. Second question was, Ted Bundy had a wife named Carol Boone and a daughter. Do you think he would want to hurt his wife and his daughter the way he hurt his victims? And she said, I think he possibly had a thought of it. He could have had a type of high, in quotation marks, after committing a homicide, and possibly had an urge to kill his wife and daughter, but never did. The last question was, Ted Bundy said pornography was the reason he was a serial killer. Do you think his excuse was to get him out of it, or was he telling the truth? She replied, I think he wanted it to be an excuse, but it wasn't good enough to help in the trial. I don't think this is a good reasoning, though. Bundy was charged with all three murders in Florida. He was facing the death penalty. They had offered him a plea deal that if he would plead guilty to all charges and he would serve life instead of the death sentence. He refused and kept his claim down to his innocence. He continued to be his own attorney. He wasn't going to go down without a fight. Carol Boone, a friend of Bundy's that had worked in an office with him several years ago, had been attending each of his trials in Florida. She had become a major help to him and would defend Ted against everything that they tried to charge him for. She completely believed in his innocence. The three women who survived the Kyle Omega murders were all put onto the stand. They weren't sure that it was him and were not able to give a statement that proved it was him. Ted stood across from them asking questions like he didn't know who they were. His defense attorneys attacked the expert who said that Bundy's teeth matched the bite marks on the women. They claimed that there were so many people in the world who have such similar teeth. At one point, the officer who found the bodies at the sorority house was put onto the stand. Bundy began asking him questions about what he saw when he pulled back the covers. This was a way of reliving the, those crimes, and it was taken very offensively. He pretended to act like he didn't know any of those details that he was asking about. Then on July 25, 1979, Ted's last trial occurred. The jurors didn't go with what Ted had hoped for, and he was now a convicted murderer. The court imposed a death penalty on Ted. Florida was trying to execute him, but different judges kept giving him stays. Bundy was in prison on death row for 10 years. It wasn't until the last few days before his execution in 1989 when Bundy ended up confessing to over 30 murders. He told and described every single murder that they asked him about. He even admitted to being a necrophile. Ted was hoping that these confessions would buy him more time, but it did not. Experts believe that the number of women he killed was actually much higher. Ted Bundy was executed in the electric chair in Florida on July 24, 1989. Thank you for listening to our episode today on the horrific murders of Ted Bundy. We hope that you'll join us next time on The Roots of Evil.